Because, you know, one of our guests today, y'all, y'all don't know, one of our guests today is, he can rap. He really is a rapper. No, 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 no. He talking about okay. <laughs> oh, Come on, you, man. Oh, yeah. I can't, I don't want to tell him who you are yet, but I mean, there's a guy, he introduced me to a concept probably in the 90s called monoloetry. Oh, wow. yeah. So, the dude... You know, he rhymes. He I rhymes. Rap, I rhyme poetry. I don't rap. rap. I, my pigmentation, oh, my rhythm oh, is oh, off a little. So. Oh. Okay. I get it. <laughs> well, I'll tell y'all who that is in case you don't know yet in a moment. But welcome, everybody, to the Keith Battle podcast. I'm Keith Battle, and I'm so excited to be back with you this week. It's a blessing to come and to have your support. And I'm always grateful to hear about all of you who are tuned in, who are listening. And today we have a powerful panel and a powerful topic. We're going to be talking about parenting today and specifically seasonal parenting. Talking about how to help your child from toddler to teenager and beyond. Because, you know, parenting is like Nike basketball. Basketball, it never stops. And each season of a child's life requires a different way of guiding and engaging with them. And today we want to discuss effective ways to relate to the children that God has blessed you with to parent at the various stages of development. And let's face it, you know, we, we, we were saying pre-recording of this podcast <clears throat> that parent is, parenting is one of the hardest jobs in the world for many of us. Sometimes we may find ourselves stuck in a period where we really don't know what to do, and we may we may be giving our children during that period something that they used to need mm. from us at a time yeah. when they really need something different from us. That's mm. real. That's we real. can all relate to that. We just out here trying not to mess these kids up, and we hope that we say something today to help create dialogue with you all as parents, whether you're parenting alone, whether you're in a blended family. Mm whether you're in a marriage and all that stuff really matters. So uh, I want to welcome our guest today. We're blessed to have hey, hey. on the microphone, Mr. Larry Page is with us all today. Right, all right. Thank you, brother. Bravo, bravo, clap, clap, clap. <laughs> well, well, and then we have the a dynamic duo, a couple, you know, the duo, Eric and Susan Kellum. Uh, with us in the building. They are the masters, if nothing else. They got a bunch of kids. So, yes. you know, we know. got a lot of them. You can, like, experiment. They got, they got they, you know, they got, they got like, different lab tests they can we'll do. Tell our secrets, Pastor Van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I love it. So, uh, thank you, Eric and Susan, for being with it. Um, we're going to get right into this topic today. And and let me, let me, let me say one more thing by way of introduction. So, Again, I believe that the reason why this podcast is important is I think we would all agree that parenting is a lifelong assignment, right? Like, it's not like, you know, some people say, well, you just got to raise them to the 18 and then you send them off. But but I know because my, my children, I have the oldest children, on oldest kids on this podcast. Um, and I think as long as God extends our lives and the lives of our children, we'll be their parents, this is like it doesn't stop at 18 and they will always have a place in our hearts. They will always they always cause us to go from being prayerfully concerned on one hand 
to being chest out proud on another hand it never stops they they cause us to panic they cause us to pray they cause us to praise they send us on a gamut of emotions but again the reason why we're doing this is because we want to make sure as parents we're giving our kids at each stage what they need from us because if we're giving them at a previous if we're giving them at this stage what they needed at a previous stage or vice versa mm-hmm. if we're giving them what they need at a later stage too soon Mm. that's real you know we might be we have to be sensitive to our children and aware of their needs and critical to our assignment as parents because each child is different so you know i really want to hear this really i'm looking forward to what the kellens have to say because with having like staircase children what may have fit one child at say 11 may that other you know the next child coming along may not need that at 11 or may not be ready for that at 11 or may need that at 9 or 13 so I'm really excited about this. So let's start with Eric. I want to start with you because you now, with your son going off to school, and I know he might be in between commuting and 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 being away, but for the most part, when your son leaves, you got a wife and four daughters. Mm. You're the only dude in your house for real now. Jesus. Yeah, you, you just, just shut up, keep your wallet open, your mouth shut. and Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to get a male dog, a male cat. Well, a fish <laughs> in the fish tank. <laughs> Whatever you can do. Whatever I can get. Wow, wow, wow. What's, what's, tell us about your journey as a parent on this whole matter. Just what are your thoughts about seasonal parenting? Like, what have you discovered over the years that maybe, maybe even – different now from five years ago what your children needed and i know maybe you could start by telling us your children's ages how about that sure so as you said my oldest son he's 18 uh, my only son rather and um our girls are uh stair steps they're 15 13 11 and zoe will be nine in september yeah um so the seasonal parenting i'm in this you know eric eric um walked down the aisle to get his high school diploma in May. And ever since then, I've been like, I knew it before, but now it's really synced in how fast time really is. So I feel like I can't spend enough time like instilling stuff, particularly in the girls, even trying to play catch up with Eric. Like, did I give him everything that he needs as far as now he's a man and, and preparing him for that? But everything is really, really quick. I I told someone recently, the biggest regret that I have um, now is that um, as I got older, like with the old, with the, um, with Eric and Taylor, there are two oldest is when I, when we first started parenting, Susie and I used to play with them all the time. Like we would engage, we would interact, we would go to the playground. Like some parents just drop their kids off at the playground. Mm-hmm. We would go to the playground. We would be on the monkey bars. We would play with them. Other kids from their parents would be sitting on the bench. They'd be playing with us. But as mm-hmm. I got older, the younger ones, they didn't get that same type of attention. Mm-hmm. They started to kind of get neglected. And we just said, go get a device because <laughs> we had to get some work done. And that's my regret now, you know, looking at it as far as just being engaged with them um, on a regular basis. You know, that's that's deep because as we get older as parents and we get busier because while your family was growing, your career was growing and your responsibilities were growing, getting older. And so you became more like those parents who were sitting and watching your children play 
with the younger children as opposed to playing with them. And I think that's very important. I think it's important that we not beat ourselves up and, and maybe, you know, understand that as we evolve in our lives that maybe, or, or maybe that's a warning to some parents, Hey, still roll, you know, if you're 48 years old, still, you know, get on the monkey balls or something, but really physically what you can do as a parent when you're 28 or 25, you really can't do the same things when you're 45 or 48. It's just not the same. Your body yeah. can't do it. And that's, that's just my opinion. I'm not trying to excuse it. I really, I really can be sensitive, but that's a great observation. What are, what are y'all thoughts on that? Well, I agree with it. Um, I think for me, because the rest of our kids were girls, it's a little bit different. I too have, as I've gotten older, it's, it's harder to give that same level of energy and excitement that I had. But I, I think some of it is also a gender difference okay. where I can still do more with my girls. And, and the interest may not have been there for him to, you know, like he played and threw the ball with our son, but with the girls, it's like, okay, I'm not going to sit here and play Barbies. But so he did play Barbies actually, but not as long. So I, I think I've held on a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm struggling with that now with my youngest, not having as much time, you know, with her as I did with the other girls. And I just, I, I really don't have it. So let me give you a case in point. Now that since you brought this up um, and just me talking about it now I'm convicted. I got to go do this. When, <laughs> when Taylor, my oldest was like five, four or five years old. She was like, dad, why don't you come play Barbies? I'm like, I ain't gonna go play Barbies. But I was like, all right, I'll go play Barbies with you. But I used that strategically. So there was this Ken and, and Barbie and we changed their names and we put it, I made it so that Ken was interested in Barbie, but, like in Razzie. but he had to approach her a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so if they were going to date, they were going to date in, in a group setting. And if he's interested in marrying her, then they were going to get marital counseling. Yeah. And we like it all the way up until the wedding. And it was a grand wedding, but I wanted to like, kind of like sow seeds in that um, with the whole process. And you know what? I did that with her. I did that with Lauren. Simone and Zoe ain't never get Simone that. Simone got a wedding, but Zoe did. But I never went through that same process because okay. I was tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so when you say, which is a great idea, when you say that you were convicted, does that mean that Simone and Zoe are about to get the Kendall? They even play. Does Simone and Zoe even play with Barbie and Kendall? Yeah, they, they do. They do. So wow. Wow. Do you, and, and, and is that message still relevant? I think that's the other thing. Like mm-hmm. I noticed that I was a lot more spiritual with my kids when they were younger. Like I taught them scriptures and we did different things they had to memorize about God. But then, you know, as we got older and I started being a professional Christian, being in full-time ministry, you know, being the profession of ministry that I feel like I've been less of a, a discipler with my kids than I was before I was in professional ministry. So it's, it's really, <laughs> I never knew we was going to do this podcast and be leave, leave, be feeling terrible about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny though. And you talk about the seasonal changes, you know, that's, I, I did that with Taylor, you know, with the Barbies. Now I'm in a season where she's, she brought the first young man home for us to visit. Cause he's interested in taking her out on a date. Hmm. 
but I still think she's anticipating. I mean, she, she knows because of what I instilled in her then there's a certain process to this whole dating and courting thing. I mean, they're not talking marriage, obviously. She's just a sophomore of high school, but she understands that it's not something that's just casual and, and something that you take lightly to enter into. And I, I think that to some degree what we did back then seasonally, you know, has some type of way of impacting what's going on now. Oh, no question. I think that's absolutely the case. Pastor Larry, uh-huh. t- tell us, tell us, what, what are your kids' ages? And specifically, I want to know, uh, I want to talk to you about cross-gender parenting, which I think is a trouble for us, as, for me as a dad. I know Eric has daughters. I have a daughter. You have a daughter. Tell us about your kids' ages and just talk about yeah, some so of the my, challenges. So my youngest the cross-gender um, child, parenting. And then, Susan, a, I want to hear about your is, uh, 16 parenting. and Amanya. I will. Yes, it is. <laughs> My daughter uh, will be eighteen, uh, August fifth. Tough age, right? There, uh, so, you know, oh, cross gender parenting. I think the toughest um, part is um, mm-hmm. respecting respecting that that not only are they different by way of, of gender, they also are different by way of, of wiring. Um, and so the issue of fairness always comes into play. Um, I am much harder, in my opinion, on my boy than I am on my daughter. <laughs> Girls, you know, my thing is opportunity comes with uh, responsibility and girls is naturally at least at least wow. my daughter is, mm-hmm. has demonstrated um, great responsibility you give her something she takes care of it so with that comes privileges mm-hmm. my son doesn't see it that way he sees it as you know well how come she gets to do stuff that I don't get to do you're not fair and my response to him is always life isn't fair see right there's a prime example um so for him i'm thinking you're going to be a father and a husband life isn't always going to treat you fair so my discipline both verbally physically in every way is much harder on him uh, than i am with her because i'm trying to prepare him uh for in my opinion a difficult road as a man so that's the that's probably a big uh, the big challenge is, is just fairness Wow. You know, there's an old saying that, that, that supports what you just said, and that is wow. Wow. fathers raise their wow. sons and love their daughters. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then same thing with moms. It says mothers raise their daughters and love their sons, right? So moms, mom the girl, you got to be a woman of integrity. You got to be a woman that can handle yourself and take care of yourself, and they love their sons. And so I think that's, that's interesting that you would say that. <laughs> Uh, which supports that. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk through and hear your thoughts and Eric's thoughts are like those female thing conversations, like when they repute um, how awkward that is. Because I was sharing with Pastor James Marshall one time, mm-hmm. and we, I was discussing a really physically awkward moment in my daughter's life when when my kids were smaller and they're they're mm-hmm. they're, they're five years apart. So. So I have a 28-year-old daughter, a 26-year-old son, 23-year-old son. So they, when they were young, say like they were nine, seven, and four, for example, we I played Tickle Monster with them. So I was the monster, and I was just coming to tickle them. And tickle them. 
That's who we do. Yeah. So 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 but one day this is this is and and she's gonna kill me for saying this. But <laughs> one day I went to tickle my daughter and I felt you know, when I was tickling her, I felt something that wasn't that I hadn't felt before. It was weird. Like y'all know I'm trying to be careful. She breath. And I remember tickling her and, and, and I was and I was and, and and that was it. I was like, Okay, y'all go sit down and we can already have a snack. But but they didn't know that that was the final monster for the entire family in the history. I didn't know how to move in that space. And it yeah. was so, you know, sexual conversations were never a part of my childhood. My parents never talked to me about puberty or anything. We, we learned that stuff wherever we learned it from, right? So I didn't know how to navigate it. I didn't want, I just, it was just a, a space that I just wasn't prepared for. And my father, of all people, told me later, later on the road, he says, you got to learn how to hug your daughter yeah. and hold her even when she starts developing. Because even when she's developing, she doesn't, she can't. But she she's still a, your little girl in her mind. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, man. Let's unpack that. Has that? What, what did you guys go through with that? You know, in that space. And Eric, of course, you're a vet at it now. So, what what, what was that a challenge for y'all? Any the whole female puberty thing as a dad? Uh, initially, yeah, it was a challenge because you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You want to leave that stuff alone. You're talking about cycles and moods and all this other stuff. You just want to, you just want to just be the farthest part of the house. Absolutely. But, you know, we try to, we have this thing for both my son and my daughters, but in these conversations, Mm -hmm. we try to press through the uncomfortable until it feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that's like been the goal. And I think, Honestly speaking, I think our conversations with our kids are pretty healthy on those topics now, but it wasn't, but we had to make it comfortable in the times that it was uncomfortable. Yeah, it was and how'd you do that? You just stay with it? What did you do? And did Susan have to help you talk about how you can get, because I know there, there are about 300 people listening right now and just turned their radio up or turned their price up. Like, okay, how do you make that comfortable? So I think I had to jump in and help out. I would like to think I did anyway with, with, I noticed the difference with the girls, but mainly with Taylor when she started developing and seeing it was just awkward for them. So I kind of just kind of jumped in and interjected to try to balance that out a little bit. And then having those conversations with her that I noticed he couldn't, he wouldn't say anything. I just didn't want her to feel bad or feel guilty or not understand. So I, I've talked to her like, you know, that, you know, it's you're developing now or that dad sees you differently. I also had to come in even now with some of them because it's innocent, but they don't know anybody. They'll just jump right on and straddle. Hey, daddy. I'm like, okay, sweetie, come here. We got to calm that down a little bit. Um, Like wearing, covering up a little bit more what you're wearing around the house. Little things like that. Where that's, I feel like my role to step in as mom and begin to, um, just challenge them a little bit or explain to them that things have to be a little bit different. It's not bad. It's just different that we have to, you know, you, you have a little bit more going on and daddy don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, so cover that up, you know, put a canvas on, you know, you, you cannot come out the bathroom anymore in just your underwear or, or, you know, whatever. So making sure they've started prepping right before that. So the first one, it was a mistake. 
But after that, I kind of had a system for the girls. It's like you take everything you need in the bathroom. Make sure you have a towel. Make sure you have whatever. And if you need something, don't call daddy. I need, you know, you call me. That Those type of little things to make sure they knew. Don't just parade through the house anymore with nothing on. That kind of stuff. I would, I yeah, would add. That's good. It is. That's good. It is. Does anybody want to add anything um, to that? I know this. And this, you know, at least this, in, this in every daughter is different. The guys, you know, we have my my to daughter say. tends yeah. to be um, more private. No. <laughs> um, which back when in. you even approach the conversation, <laughs> you know, uh, your changes and and particularly the conversation of guys, they don't want you to really be involved in their business. Um, but I look at it as part of my responsibility to give her some mm-hmm. stuff that I didn't get a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, as parents, we had to figure the stuff out as we came up. So it's an awkward seat mm-hmm. to know better and now have to, it's funny. We had to fight to figure it out and our kids reject the stuff that we get for free. <laughs> it's like, I don't even get it. But, um, but I will say, you know, over time, um, I realized I couldn't really focus on her response to, uh, my feedback, like I might tell her, like, you're not three no mm-hmm. more. You can't walk around the house like that. You know, I'm the one that gives the feedback like mm-hmm. that in our family. Or I have to remember, um, you know, even if she rejects affection, I would joke and say, you know, you better let dad give you kisses so nobody else, you have to worry about somebody else doing it, you know. And so some of it is a fight with yourself because when your kids may reject your affection, it can trigger the rejection that you receive. You feel me? Um, Okay. When when your kids, sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. you reach out to a kid to show them affection. Remember a lot of us growing up didn't get that. So I have, I had to, I have to be intentional. I have to bring to mind, I'm going to give her a kiss or I'm going to give her a hug. If she rejects it, sometimes it, it triggers that rejection in me, you know, kind of makes me not want to sure. do it again because you don't like how it felt because that's how you came up. It's 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 already natural for me to kind of like, no, nah, you know, I don't want to do that because I didn't get it. So now mm-hmm. I got to fight myself to say, okay, if you don't give her a kiss, somebody else going to give it to her, you know. Um, but you got to get over right. that. You got to get over the fact that, okay, they may push you away or not really be feeling it. You got to, I tell, I tell her, this is your medicine. You, you, we, we both need it. So, um, so, you know, it's, that's the awkwardness of it, but it's necessary. Wow. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm hearing, it goes back to something Eric said earlier. We have to push through the uncomfortable until Mm. it gets comfortable. Yeah. And if you're listening, you know, that's the thing. We're not trying to make this thing seem like it's easy. We're just saying keep pushing, right? Push push in the direction that you sense that would be best. And, and, and really, you know, I think it's also a selfless push because yeah. we're pushing yeah. past our discomfort to try to get this kid yeah. what they need. Yeah. Because right. it's really about them, right? And, you know, we can go to our graves dysfunctional, but God knows we want to try to get them as healthy as possible. Yes. You, you know, I think 
the mistakes we make right. because it's awkward. We kind of make these changes like it's a um, health PE education conversation as opposed to, you know, as a communicator, I want to instill a little bit of light humor to yeah. break the ice. Of course, the when or knowing knowing your kids, knowing who you can joke or how you can joke with them, but it doesn't have to be okay. So you know there are changes that are taking place. I mean that's totally setting the setting the tone to make it awkward. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, by the that, way that you're that's good. It. If and, you feel like learning, even if you feel um, nervous inside, like what am I going to say? Where you really you come across results. like you even if more they, cooler you than what you're feeling inside. Like they're not that's going to help set the tone as opposed to faithful, you setting the tone. They'll come back later and tell you even though you didn't think I was listening i was I, I told my daughter before you date you know what i'm saying like show me the respect of let me know who it is because i don't want to go to jail for hurting somebody and sure enough, sure enough man guy calls me at 50 when she was 15 and says you know can i date your daughter and i told him flat out no but what i love <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> we definitely we could we could talk about it, but for 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 him, you know, for he didn't have a sense of direction, and so I told him, I said, "Listen, <laughs> I can't let my daughter ride with somebody that don't know where they're going." Right? <laughs> I said, well, we got to talk with about toys, but don't bit. play with her. So, you know, you figure out, when you figure out where you going, call me. A year, uh, months later, the same dude called me back. And you know what? I said, y'all, you know what? I'm going to let this, I'm going to let this happen. But what I respected or appreciated mm. was my daughter actually <laughs> listened to me and says, you need to call my dad before I deal with you. I was like that. You can't ask for more, you know, so, uh, some, you know, they, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Can I jump in? Absolutely, absolutely. On, on, on the point of something we said a little bit earlier, but I want to tie it into this. And for me, it comes back to the motivation of dysfunction because right. all of us having the, the things that we've gone through or that we um, want to unlearn, so to speak, or make sure we don't pass on to wow. the next generation. Those are key for me specifically when it comes to dating. Um, we were told we couldn't date till we were married. So when that was put up for us as young ladies, now granted it was three young ladies that grew up in the household at the same time. My dad had right. one son and five daughters total, but I, and I get it that uh, I realize yeah. now he didn't know any better, but that wall that was put up there and mm. no explanation or no yeah. reason. And, uh, you know, all the other things sandwiched with not a lot of affection. It, it played in a way where yeah. there was a lot of secrecy. Yeah. So not for me specifically, cause I to be good and get a tent get a affection from them but seeing my wow. sisters sneak around there was no safe place to bring a date home or bring somebody you just knew i'm not supposed to be doing this right. they'll never know so we didn't we didn't meet our our nieces and nephews um fathers until after yeah, they were born and seeing that function i was determined i want to make sure that i remain approachable for my kids, no, even if it's something I don't want them to do, yeah. I want to make sure that I communicate that, but that I don't just shut them off completely and give room to them just going out here and sneaking around. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you when you eliminate options, people mm -hmm. feel more imprisoned mm -hmm. by it than they do empowered. Mm -hmm. and, 
And I think what we had to do is figure out a way to present options with boundaries and 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 the awareness of consequences and benefits with choices. Right. Like the person, the couples, um, people who grew up saying divorce is not an option, and they just they live like divorce is not an option. Divorce is not an option. That's kind of the Christian evangelical statement to keep you married. But it doesn't necessarily make you happily married. It doesn't make you want to work on a right, marriage. Right, it just right, means right, you can't. Right, right. This means you can't go nowhere. Yeah. But you should be, you'd be surprised that if you say, "Well, divorce is an option," but also we have an option to work on this marriage. Well, once you start opening up options, it doesn't mean you're going to leave. It just means I don't feel in prison now. I'm actually empowered. And so, this is something to think about. I want to. I want to before we move on to the next section, Susan. Any cross gender thoughts from parenting from the mother's side, dealing with a son? Anything come to mind you would like to share? I think that I tr- I tried to be the cool mom and and make sure that <laughs> it backfired. <laughs> but I was trying to be the mom that, to be approachable. But I, it it was it was that awkwardness that you all were talking about with your daughters, with my son. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend it per se. I just wanted him to know that I understood or I knew. So I would try to, I guess, initiate certain conversations with him dealing with where he was sexually. He was like, no, mom, no, sorry. But I was okay because I knew that Eric was talking to him about those things. So I did, I did kind of back off. But when it comes to young ladies, I have tried to be really understanding the same as with all of them. Well, he's the only one that has had those type of relationships. So just setting that bar of consistency for all of them and letting them see me be consistent in that, um, I think has been good. But going back to the the gender difference and dads and spoiling their daughters and, and raising their sons or loving their sons and loving their, I'm getting it mixed up, but that whole um, principle there's a double standard, like in our house. When when Taylor came to us, it's not wanting a double to, yes, it is. When, when Taylor came to, to approach inquiry about dating, something, man. He, he was like, "No, I don't need to meet nobody. He don't need to come here and meet me because they're not going out." And I think for me, it was that push of we 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 were okay with him going out, but we have to be okay with her too. No, 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 no. Let me let me speak to that. Give me a second to speak to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you the phrase you said, I, I heard the same same phrase, but it's a little different. I had I, I always um, had in my back pocket. Um, dads are, were meant to um, spoil daughters and raise sons, and sons are meant to um, dads are meant to raise sons and spoil daughters. So, in that aspect of spoiling, um, you know, there's certain things I personally feel like you know what, mom. Any of the young ladies that's coming around that uh, your son is going to see, you know, if you want to create some type of uh, bars or or fences or tests that you want to um, run them by, then by all means, feel free to do that. I will handle the fellas that come in and check out the daughters or check out my daughters. And so my wife thinks that I was a little looser with the different young ladies that were coming around um, to meet Eric Sean. And we were have conversations. I just didn't require for the ladies to come and meet us before they would go out, which yeah. I did. So, so, you know, what I heard Susan saying, which I think is true of all of us as dads, unfortunately, is that there is a double standard if we would admit it. And I think where it comes from is where we think, we feel like our daughters are a little more vulnerable in a world where they can be raped. They can be accosted. They can be 
kidnapped and all of that. And we just feel like our sons being out with a girl, you know, they just need to be, have some self-control, but we, we, we can't really protect our daughters the same way because they, they seem to be more vulnerable. And I think that feeds that overprotective, like, nah, you ain't, ain't, no, no, like it, it ain't even a conversation. Um, but I agree with you that I think we have to revisit it to some degree because we might be operating in a double standard and not be cognizant of it. We just think we think it's balanced, but our sensitivity and our natural inclination to protect our daughters make us a little more sensitive, particularly the world in which we live and knowing ourselves, like we know what it's like to be a teenage boy and like what, what what the mindset is. So, is, is you know we probably should come back and do a conversation just around that um, space because you know I, I I definitely think there's 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 a lot of dialogue about that that we should have but let's let's move on because I know our time is getting short and I want to say before we move into this next session, section I want to just reiterate the, the the vision that we have for this podcast is around seasonal parenting and because my children are you know, between the ages of 23 and 28, they really need what they need most from me now, believe it or not, what my kids need from me now is space. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, and here's another thing they need, which, which may shock you. They need the withdrawal of financial support, mm. which they really are not thrilled about, but it's necessary for their development and ultimate independence. So if you're listening to this podcast and you got young adult children, Make sure you continually continually wean them off of you financially into a place of independence, knowing you'll be there if they need a lifeline. And I think one of the ways we found to be effective in doing that is to start. The first thing you should take from your children or make them responsible for in this generation is make them pay for their own cell phone, because that's one thing they will walk to a yeah. AT&T store, a Verizon store, a T-Mobile store, they are not going to let their phone get cut off. They will save their pennies and coins. And so that was the first bill we started making our children have was their phone. And it wasn't because I couldn't afford the phone or the family plan wasn't affordable. It was because I needed to introduce them to a world of bill payments. Mm-hmm. Their first bill payment, each one of them. And then the next thing was transportation. Like now, you know, I got you your first car, you jack that one up. Now the second one, you go to the dealership and you show them where you work and see what kind of car you can get for the money you have and will they approve your payments. And so that stuff is critical to their development because I think a lot of parents, because we can help them, we continue to help them, but we're actually disabling them. And so so keep that in mind. You know, just don't try to suddenly like take everything a way that you supported them and pulled the rug from under them and they don't have a place to live. You put them out on the street, blah, blah, blah. But I think as you gradually withdraw financial support, again, always knowing you're going to be there if they, if they need a lifeline. Right. They, right. They strengthen the strike. I agree. Right. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Now for each of you is, do y'all, do y'all, do you, do either of you have a child that you have challenges with because either they're just like you or they're totally different from you. Let's talk mm. both. <laughs> <laughs> yep, both. <laughs> Let me hear. Let me talk to me. Talk to me. 
So my my um, I'm not gonna name them, um, but one of my children that that's just like me. One of you, you know, you can't name them because you know they they listen to the Keep Battle podcast, every yeah. week, right? They, right. <laughs> the challenge of having a parent podcast is you know you're gonna incriminate yourself. Right. And why do you say that? Um, but it's so challenging because you you see the decisions that you made and you know they're headed to make some similar decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to balance in that moment. Okay, was this a decision that I made? And I know I, I, I know that I had to learn from it, but I probably would not have learned if I had not have, have gone down this route. It's, I see you going down the same course and should I intervene to try to play superhero and protect you? But knowing you, you'll do it. And so that's that's one that's one challenge. Actually, that's it's probably more of a challenge for me for the, the child that's closest to me as opposed to the child that's extreme different. Because t- if they're extremely different mm-hmm. from me, that means mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form, they're, they're closer to Susan's personality yeah. or Su- Susan's trait. And I've learned over the course of time to appreciate you know, Susan and how she offsets me in certain ways. So I can see that in the child, the kids that are opposite of me, but the ones that are exactly like me, that's the tougher one for me. Mm-hmm. It's like parenting myself. Nice. <laughs> what, what do you, what, what would you say to that, Susan? Um, I definitely have both. I can see, like he said, the ones, like Eric said, the ones that are more like him. And then there's some that are more like, like me. Um, and if the ones that are like me, it's really hard um, like the girls, I'm, I'm catching mouth, talking back. Um, I, <laughs> catching it, getting it back, or whatever you want to say with that. My my grandmother and mama would always say, "You're gonna get this back one day." Mm-hmm. But uh, but also just I see the things that I admire, so I feel I feel confident in like, okay, this one is responsible with this, or they're doing that, but. I know the stubbornness and, and that's just scary seeing, like Eric said, seeing someone that's just like you and not wanting them to be, not wanting them to be. And so I've, I've been honest. I'll say you're just like me with that. This is what happened. You have to make your own choice. You can end up just like me or you can make a choice to do something, be better, be different about that. Um, for the most part, I try to expose myself, like show all my scars, show all of my, um, mistakes hoping that that will derail or make them choose differently um but yeah i do see it i see a lot of um i see a lot of the good and the bad actually um in the ones that are like me i think for the ones that are more like eric in that regard it's more of a a more of a challenge because i'm I'm, i get myself where i understand why i do certain things those are the ones where it takes more effort i think for certain things i have to say okay well that's that's not like yeah, you. You have um, to go back and make you know keep pursuing it possible or recognizing that, see, that it's, it's um, not wrong. It's just different and make the extra effort to connect both kids. Like you, you, it's almost a split. You know. Gotcha. Okay, I lost you, you there. You see differences. You also see aspects of similarities. You know what I mean? Uh, that you may have, Larry. for example, um, my daughter. When it comes to academics, all day. Um, and, you know, when it comes to my son, um, not at all. He's not in, interested in academics at all. And, um, uh, but he, 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 he's really in the business. And that is a part of me that, that, um, you know, I, I appreciate that's in him. I think that the challenge for me and seeing myself in them 
is, um, you know, making sure that I don't crush them while I'm trying to cultivate them. You understand what I'm saying? Like you may, you, you know, I, I say, you know, you got to raise your kids sunny side up, you know, like, you know, when you discipline them, sometimes in the discipline or in the conflict, you may see some genius or some, some excellence in them. You don't want to break that yoke. You want to keep that intact. So, so you can celebrate the part that's really good without completely damaging them. Like when I came up, it was shut up. That was the end of the conversation. Don't run your mouth. Um, but in my kids, that's part of their gifting. You know, it's the way they design. So I got to give them an opportunity to talk so I know how to shape them. So that's probably the dance that I'm, I mean, I kind of see parts of myself in both of them. Um, different parts. And I got I to figure out independently for each one, usually the conflict is where you see it shine the most. So I got to beat part of them and shape part of them all in the same conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. It's a job, isn't it? It's no it's no class, there's no school, there's no degree that you get in this. It's like on job training all the time. Yeah. So is yeah. but you know one of the things even though Eric and Susan are here together, you know, sure. you and I Larry have a partner in this yeah. in this responsibility. Yeah. And I think I think these yeah. are case studies for the need for if if you're if you're married and you're wondering why you should stay married, <laughs> if you got kids, you know people say never stay married for the kids. Let me tell you something. This is a job that requires and necessitates all hands on deck. It takes like, two. So, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying yeah. to make anybody to single parenting feel less than because you know God will, God will provide. I got that. But I'm saying to the people out there who are wondering, should we hang in there? Yes, because this is an assignment. Yeah, and you made a vow. So I'm not saying hang in there and have a terrible marriage. I'm saying work on the marriage because that's part of creating an environment of emotional safety for the child. But, you know, you know, there's a balance that we get from our yeah. spouses. And the, the unique thing is just like our children are not the same. Rarely is the husband and wife anything alike in this in this journey, which is the balance we need. One is tough. One is tender in an area. Yeah. One is visionary, one is cautionary in an area. And so yeah. that's where yeah. that's where kids hey. get the totality of the support that can they I, need. Can so I add I just a thought as a side um, note? About what I know a lot you know, of people deal with when it comes to Even if you're arguing with children, each other about what is um, right you know, in this child's one situation, parent, even if there's maybe tension, the disciplinary, that's okay. Uh, that tension you know, is creating my, a balance. In my household, sometimes my wife may say, you know, I'm the one that delves out the discipline. In many cases, so everybody works through me to get it done. But she may say, "Hey, I feel like you should give them uh, more discipline mm -hmm. than this," and and that's what trust. We really do need trust because, from my seat, um, again, I'm not just trying to beat something out of a child. 
I'm also trying to pour something into them. Sometimes it may look like you're letting your kid get away with stuff. And one thing you said, uh, PB, in a message even, sometimes we got to look at our kids the same way that God looks at us. You know, sometimes you gotta, so it's not just that you're trying to beat them. Some, your kids don't come here saved. So discipline and correction, all that is a way of also presenting the gospel without even being preaching. You're just saying, man, I'm going I'm to show you a little bit more grace because I know I should have got beat for some stuff that I didn't get. So you got to, all that's important and trust is a, is a crucial factor in, um, yes. you know, raising them yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let me ask you this. I'm going to do. So one of the things, one of the things I'm going to do two more things. One in the Jewish community, one of the things that keeps Jewish people closely connected generationally is the power and consistency of their rituals. They have strong rituals and it keeps them connected generationally. Are there any family rituals that you all have done regularly or in the past or that you can share with our audience that might be helpful for them to try and practice? Just one family ritual, just one thing that you can share, one or two things you can share as a ritual. And for us, I'll, say, I'll share ours real quickly. One of the best rituals we did was called the Seat of Honor, where we just set one family member in the middle of a room and everybody in the family had to honor them and say something cool about them. That, 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 to me, that's a self-esteem builder that's hard to offset by somebody joning on you at school or making fun of you or playing the dozens with you. If you've been told repeatedly by the people that matter most mm -hmm. that you're cool, then you can't undo that because a fourth grader says you're not. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we do a family life group. Um, we, tr we make an effort to do it every Tuesday. Wow. You know, we encourage, um, life group or small groups at the church. Well, you know, I, I figured if we're going to encourage that for other people, why not encourage that for our family? And, uh, actually came out of a conviction. One of our children, when they turned 12, they were actually in tears and they said, I'm afraid. I said, why? They said, well, I'm afraid if 12 is supposed to be the age of accountability, I'm afraid I don't know. I don't have everything I need to know spiritually. And I was like, well, <laughs> so started a group and I'll, I'll be honest, you know, because we're, 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 we're sharing our humanity. It's probably taken about two years, two to three years to get it to a place where it's consistent and it's normal and it's expected. And it's been because our kids range so far in age that you want to create something that keeps the attention of the little kids, but also challenges or provokes the intellect of the older kids, you know, as far as what we're talking about and get delving deep into issues. But we've come up with something. The kids participate. And, and one of the rituals or one of the things is it always blesses my heart. There's a song that we sing. Uh, Welcome to this place. That's become like our go to song. 
even if it's not like like we'll do praise and worship and it'll be contemporary they might do some rap songs that they enjoy it might be some other songs that we enjoy but that is the song that is is part of my them to remember Um, and sometimes when they sing the song i'll just stop singing and i'll listen to the original and a thought comes to my mind when i'm dead and gone that you guys if if, if, if if we do it the right way my grandchildren will be singing this song and they'll still be gathering together doing these family groups together. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Pastor Larry, any ritual, family ritual? Yeah. 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 I think I think that is a ritual because it, it's important. It's important to have it on the calendar. Yes, and it, it, brings, it brings about connection. And and I can honestly say I haven't done the seat of honor in a long time. But mm. you know, so don't you know? Again, what we're trying to do with this podcast yeah. for ourselves and for those who are listening is just encourage. Mm-hmm. You, don't want you know, it takes courage to parent. Right? Courage is is the in, internal drive to keep going. So we want to encourage. We don't want anybody to be discouraged. That's without without courage. And parenting can become frustrating and discouraging. So um, wherever you are, just do the next thing, the next right thing. All right. So this is what we're going to close with. We're going to close a rapid fire. I'm going to do a four. four it's going to be four areas. And rapid fire, as I got to tell us the preachers, because all three of y'all are preachers. Rapid fire. The emphasis is on rapid. Uh-oh. So, this section is going to be about your fear, failure, fun, and fantasy. Fear, failure, fun, and fantasy. I want you to think, what is your biggest fear as a parent? What has been your biggest failure as a parent? What's the most fun you've had as a parent? What's the most fun thing you did? And what is your biggest fantasy as a parent, your dream or wish as a parent? Fear, failure, fun, fantasy, just in one sentence for each word. You got to say it in less than 60 seconds. What is your biggest fear as a parent? That's a sentence. Failure, fun, fantasy. Who's ready to go first? I'll go first because I'm going to set the pace. I'm going to set the pace. My biggest fear as a parent for me, simple, that my children won't grow up to live full lives and devote themselves to Jesus Christ. My biggest failure me it was building a church and a brand and not enjoying my time with them and uh i was building a church but i wasn't building my children now i lack a lot of closeness with them for that and i long for it biggest fun for me as a parent vacations uh love shopping eating at restaurants together anything we do together where everybody's present that's fun to me and my biggest fantasy as a parent my fantasy is that we'd all work together in a family business that changes mm. lives. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, that's that's it. That was 60 seconds. Who's next? I'll jump in. My biggest fear is um, I, I am just like yours. I, I want to make sure that my kids have a faith that can stand on its own. And I'm concerned with um, society today. If, if they'll have that, my biggest failure Right. As I mentioned before, uh, I, I feel like I can never spend enough time. Especially, I got so many of them. Sorry, they would that time themselves with Jesus Christ. Biggest um, fun I'm actually having right now. That, that, um, that would not happen. You know, my girls are doing a podcast um, together. They're movies, doing their own podcast that I'm helping to produce. Uh, and that ties into our biggest fantasy <laughs> is that we want a family, <laughs> a family business family as well business. that promotes family um, to other families throughout the world. Awesome. All right. 
Mm. Nice, nice. I'll go. Um, for my, my biggest fear, honestly, when I first is is the pressures of the society, like for my son as a black male in America. Um, my biggest failure, I think, is my um, working too much and not spending as much time with my kids. Fun is being silly with my kids. Oh, 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 Susan, something's going on in your mic. Go back to your third one. My third one, fun is just spending time with them, being silly with my kids, just, just, just being silly, just having them, just laughing and dancing and making up silly songs and activities. Um, fantasy is us all celebrating on a family cruise in about 10 years, just everybody all together. Wow. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. Hey, y'all, I appreciate y'all being on today. It's been really great. I'm going to close with this thought for our audience. Here's my 60 second close. It's the, it's what I call a 5G strategy. I use it for everything. I got it from an author named Benjamin Hardy. And the first G is you should have a grand vision for your parenting. Where do you want to see your kids in 10 years? 10 years from now, each kid, what would you like to see? You like to see them married, graduated, whatever, have a 10 year grand vision. Secondly, have annual goals that support that grand vision. So what are you going to do in the next year to move you towards that 10 year goal? Now, that's not controlling your kid's life. It's just you don't have to share it with your kid. Just if you think that's a good goal or good vision for them, it may not be their vision, but you need a plan. Then third, third G is a daily game plan of things you can do on a regular basis. So what, what can I do daily that moves me towards the goal, that moves me towards the grand vision? And then fourthly, getting guidance from other parents whose work and wisdom you admire. What parents? And sometimes you got to read books or go online or follow people's mm -hmm. blogs or something or, or podcasts like this may inspire you. And by the way, you can follow uh, Eric Kellum, I know he's on social media. Larry Page, look them up on social media and see, see what they're doing. Um, follow people who inspire you. Uh, don't just talk. And then the last one is, the last G is get to it. Don't just talk about it or even think about it. Act on it. Because imperfect action is better than perfecting inaction. Hey, y'all, it's been great. It's been a great topic. Appreciate y'all spending the time yeah. listening. Appreciate the Kellums and Larry Page being on here imparting wisdom. Yeah. And now we're going to go try to practice this. And um, it's interesting that every single one of us feels like we've, we haven't given enough time. It's, it's so, it's so I've, you know, I was just always saying, I've never seen anybody on a deathbed wishing there's mm. more time at work. Nobody. Wow. Nobody. They always say, I wish I had spent more time with my kids and my family. So, hey, what we have now today, if you're hearing this, it's time. So uh, put, a, put a little bit of us aside for your kids, even if they don't recognize it. Go to a game with them. Go to their game. Just show up at a practice. Just be there. Walk in their room if they let you and just, just be there. Be there. Be there. Hey, y'all. Thanks again for tuning in this week. I hope this podcast bless you, challenge you, encourage you. Uh, hit us up, let us know, share with other people, like us, subscribe, do whatever that stuff is we're supposed to do with this. And we'll catch you right here next week, right here on the Keep Battle Podcast.